Before we start this episode, we here wanted to take a second to acknowledge what has been happening in the country. The death of George Floyd on Memorial Day has caused protests all around the nation. We support anyone and everyone who is advocating for human rights. Please educate yourself, have open discussions, donate, go to protests if you are able, and do whatever you can in these times. If you can donate, we will put some resources in our show notes, but we think a good place to start to educate yourself would be to go to blacklivesmatter.card.co, and we will also put a link for that. Black Lives Matter. Hello, and welcome to Over My Head, a look back at Pop's past, presented to you by Los Lovely Boys. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast to get these episodes as they drop. The music for our podcast, as always, is provided to you by the artist, friend of yours. Make sure that you go check out their stuff on SoundCloud. This is a podcast where we dissect all things pop from the recent past. Today, we are hoping to answer the all-important question, why did the song, Where is the Love, by the Black Eyed Peas, featuring Justin Timberlake, pop? This is episode 10 of our show, and guys, there is a lot going on in our country right now, and we thought that this would be a good song to break down, um, so I'm excited to break it down, and hopefully we can, you know, get some more love going around in this country. Yeah, first things first, um, my heart goes out to all the families and loved ones of those who have been impacted by police brutality and the systemic uh, racial injustice that has plagued um, this country and really the world for decades. When we look at this song, um, it's 17 years old. Not a lot has changed. That's kind of sad to me, but really not a lot has changed for the last 400 years. And I think this is a moment where I think um, we're at a breaking point and this is going to be really decisive which direction we go as humanity in tackling uh, racial injustices. Yep, uh, y'all said it, but, um, you know, as Anthony kind of spoke about in the beginning, uh, make sure to do whatever you can right now to make sure that your voice is heard and constructively adding to the conversation right now. Um, we we do, uh, we yeah, we, we, um, we recognize that three white men on a podcast isn't exactly the, the most productive uh, way to contribute necessarily, but we have to acknowledge it. Um, you know, we're, we're all in for support and trying to elevate black voices where we possibly can. Um, rest in peace, George Floyd, rest in peace, Breonna Taylor, rest in peace to everyone who's lost their lives to police brutality. And we're, um, we will do our best to, be a part of the next um, of the change that needs to happen in this country to create a better system and work toward equality at a systemic level. Yes, I completely agree. It is long time coming and been happening for way too long. Um, so any of you out there who, you know, if you're uncomfortable, that's kind of the point. Go and talk to people, find out what you can do, find out how you can help. If you can go to a protest, do it. I know that we're still in times of pandemic, but if you can go, please do it. Talk to people all around you, find out how you can educate yourself. That is the most important thing right now um, for everyone in this nation, I think, at this point, too. Um, And, you know, we don't really get political on here a lot. Um, It's our 10th episode, so we, you know felt like we needed to say something and we wanted to break down something that was going to be very timely to what was going on right now. 
Um, guys, I know that, you know, there is a lot going on, but, um, is there any, been anything that we have been listening to, um, in these times that, uh, you're kind of thinking about? Yeah, for me, I've, um, kind of visited a lot of songs that maybe came out in the sixties when we had a similar period in our country's history. Uh, Nina Simone's, I wish I knew what it was like to be free when it meant to be free. Um, that's a beautiful song. I recommend you listening to that. And it's heartbreaking to listen to and realizing that, you know, not a lot has changed since then. And I mentioned that earlier, but we really have not progressed a lot. So I, I'm revisiting a lot of voices that uh, have gone through the same things that a lot of black families are going through now. If we look on a more recent level, um, not a lot of pop music came out last week um, since we last spoke. Baths had a new album. I know Chris is into that artist. Um, mm-hmm. Getting more vocal here. I don't know how I felt about that direction. What about you, Chris? Um, about bats? Yes, about I, bats. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, yeah, I was. <laughs> I, that's, I, a, that's a pivot. I, I definitely, uh, it's it, yeah. I mean, that album came out, and obviously, everything that's happened in the meantime. It's yeah, feels like a while ago. Um, I, I honestly, I liked it. Um, I think uh, I think it's an interesting premise for the album. It's a lot of songs that were previously B sides that he ended up. Uh, coming back to with completely new lyrics and completely new uh, arrangements. Um, I don't know. I mean, for what it is, I like it. Um, again, I really haven't been able to <laughs> focus on it that much, frankly, but it's been, you know, I, I liked the songs that rem- that I remember and that come into the playlist. Um, I, uh, I've kind of been on a similar note, just trying to return to the, to the voices and uh, pieces of art that, have helped me kind of understand black history and, um, and, you know, really contextualize my own privilege. Um, for me, a lot of that's more recent and, um, to pimp a butterfly by Kendrick Lamar, one of my all time favorite albums is great album. Yeah. One that really, um, kind of, you know, I, I always come back to it. It's, um, in addition to, um, to outlining the black struggle and outlining black history, it's, it's just a great piece of work and look into an artist's mind. Um, I, I did, uh, I did take a listen to the run the jewels album that came out this week. Um, not, not necessarily. Um, I, I won't say, I can't say necessarily that I've listened to it enough to rank it in their discography, but, um, they're one of those bands or yeah, bands, bands, I guess, um, that it, whenever a new album of theirs comes out, it takes a while to click with me. And this is one of, this is, this was an exception. Um, I remember I was listening to it, uh, when it first came out, just kind of thinking about, uh, where we were in the world, thinking about how killer Mike had gone up and spoken. And, um, you know, I really, uh, it, it really did click, um, more immediately just in context. Um, he changed some of the lyrics around, right, to include George Floyd in addition to yeah. Eric Garner, right? Yeah. yeah, which is, which is sad, you know. You it it's literally a name name swap, like you said. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then you know beyond that, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of listening to Kamazi Washington, um, a, another favorite of mine, a great jazz artist of kind of the modern jazz revival. Um, you can hear him a lot on um, on Kendrick's album, and in recent times, he had a great um, collaboration 
with Denzel Curry, um, Terrace Martin, and a few other um, a few other folks, just very directly addressing the current moment. So, um, I, I I'm gonna be honest, I can't remember the name of that song off the top of my head. It came out this past week. Um, just all Kamasi Washington. Yeah, Kamasi Washington in general, the epic and um, and you know his truth EP are all-time favorites of mine as well yeah uh i've kind of gotten with your guys's you know way of like listening to music from all around to um the run the jewels album is is good everything they put out is good um for those you don't know about killer mike killer mike is one of the biggest advocates for you know human rights that i have maybe ever seen uh in the hip-hop community maybe um to uh very well spoken and i mean he should run for office one day he is you know incredible um I know LP, um, who's the second half of Run the Jewels, um, also mentioned that, you know, I saw him in a tweet that said, they said, oh, well, you changed the line and you were writing. And it said, well, this is not nothing new. This has been happening for, you know, years and years. So, you know, this is could have been anyone's name that we put in uh, in that way, too. So I thought that that was pretty powerful that he said that. They also did a really good job at raising money, too. They released their album for free and they said, hey, if you guys can donate money, Go for it. And I think they got over $75,000 in like four hours from $1 donations, which was incredible. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head which one it was, but it was one of the big ones that everyone's donating to right now. So if you can look into that, please look at that too. Um, a lot of typical butterfly. Um, listening back at All Right um, by Kendrick Lamar is much, much different um, from a white male perspective, honestly. It's a great song, but you know when you really think about everything that's been happening recently and just over time you're like yeah this is you know uh i mean it's a you know awesome song and it's you know upbeat and everything but it is really an anthem for a whole you know race so it's really different listening to that this is america is a different song to listen to even now too um you know all those type of songs so um kind of revisiting that too has been something that has been very different listening to but also more understanding even so at this point too so if you guys listen to anything please let us know what you're listening to as well we can add it to our you know currently listening playlist that we'll update as well too but let's get into everything with this guys um as you guys all know out there for legal reasons we can't play the song that we're going to be breaking down but we still want you to go listen to it to get yourself familiar with it like stefan said it was 17 years ago um which is pretty crazy to think about so uh go listen to it um anywhere that you can spotify apple music youtube anywhere um and then on the other side we'll break down some of our memories history production and lyrics and we have some segments possibly for you guys at the end too but listen to some notes here that remind you of where's the love and we'll see you on the other side Now that we are back, let's break down some of our memories surrounding this song. Um, I'm going to throw it to Chris, actually, first. I'm very intrigued to hear Chris's thoughts on this song and his first memories with it. Yeah, I mean, um, definitely one of those songs that I... So, this was uh, pretty popular back in background when we were still in elementary school. Um so obviously a lot of my memories are pretty hazy, but um, definitely one of those songs that's kind of just always floated around. 
um, in a lot of ways, <laughs> we always think about mom approved and, um, it, it's, it's interesting, but you know, it's interesting given the lyrical content and kind of the sentiment in the song, but I would, I would call this mom approved. Um, cause I definitely heard it quite a bit on, you know, radio, American Idol, um, just ever everywhere in terms of like the front glossy end of pop culture. Um, the Black Eyed Peas, obviously, um, were massively popular later in their career around the point that we were, um, we were in high school. Um, so they, they're one of those bands where you often kind of have a story of, oh yeah, you know, their older work was way more put together and whatnot. This is def this is one of the older works, um. We will talk about that <laughs> in context, but I, uh, yeah, I, most of my memories of this song, honestly, are, I don't want to, I don't want to come off too, like, harsh, but, you know, kind of in the background, I guess. I don't necessarily have any, like, strong, I remember, I will say, actually, no, now that I'm talking about this, I remember it on the radio in Belgium. Uh, when I used to live there, when I was in uh, when I was in middle school, this was in 2005, so relatively recent. Um, and you know, probably around the time it, it was around the time that my humps was the single. So this was a pretty <laughs> relatively tame alternative. <laughs> yeah, I think the thing, the reason that I knew this song wasn't from the actual album. Um, this was on one of the now that's what I call music CDs. Um, I had to look it up which one it was. It was now that's that's what I call music 14. I think they're in like the 70s now or something like that. Um, not, a, yeah. a, I mean, very weird that they exist now even, but that was the second song um, on the album. So I think that was why I knew this song. Um, the first Black Eyes Peace song I remember was Let's Get It Started. Um, there was another version to that song uh, as well, too, um, that is not very you know, politically politi incorrect. Yeah, it's not politically correct at all. Um but that's actually that yes, and that's actually something that I kind of want to talk about with like my first memories of this, but also just general thoughts. You know, um, if you guys don't know what the song was, I mean, you can look it up. It's still on their album um, with what it is. Uh, it's not "Let's Get Started." It's the other version. Um, they did, you know. I think now people, you know, will refrain from you know using certain words and everything, and that's one of the words that people, you know will refrain from using. And I thought it was interesting that they had... The, the R word, yes. right? Um, yes. R, yes. Um, so it's, it was interesting that they had that song on the album, but then they had a, you know, world peace song, essentially, on the same album uh, as well, too. Um, and, you know, they... I mean, do what you can. You have a voice and you want to say what it is. But I think it was interesting that at that time, we were in a time where, you know, political correctness didn't exist as much, but they were still mm -hmm. trying to be political in the same way so it was kind of interesting that these two were on the same album um let's get it started was a, a big song um in its own right that's the first one i remember like chris said in middle school i think we or excuse me, elementary school we were at, like an elementary school dance or like sock hop whatever you want to call it and they played let's get it started and us like yeah. eight-year-olds loved it uh it, it was lit so um but i thought it was interesting that they had that song on the album but then they had this uh as well too um and i didn't know any of your guys's thoughts on that we have you know of course yeah. now 17 years later moved in some directions not all directions you know but that is one you know the r word isn't used as much anymore it was you know something no. that was used you know to like make fun of someone or just, you know, like kidding around, but that's not something that's used now too. So I didn't know what you guys thought about it. 
I'm not going to defend them over it, but I think the stigma around the R word um, was kind of created from a public um, education campaign. It's it basically, I think it was called the R word. I'll try to find some links to that and put it in the show notes. And it came out around the time this song is released. I remember people coming into my school, elementary school, they had a table and they said, let's stop the R word. Um, I think in the 90s, you would hear this a lot more in hip hop. Uh, you hear the F word against, uh, you know, gay and lesbian uh, communities used a lot more as well, too. Um, so it's one of those words that, yes, 17 years have passed and we don't use that word anymore. And at the time, it was probably questionable. I'm not defending them over that. Uh, but I think public sentiment probably moved further and further away. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I will I will always be uh, supportive of anything that of just not using something that can offend someone else i mean it's it's a very ableist term in a lot of ways like i and yeah it is interesting you know opening up the where's the love wikipedia and one of the genres is conscious hip-hop you know (laughs) and it's like okay so that was a i don't know i i guess it it is like you said it's kind of it's kind of in context like that that was definitely more accepted in um in hip-hop and just general pop popular culture you know at the time um i mean that i i do remember uh one of my early memories of let's get it started was that they they translated not let's get it started but the other version into simlish the simlish yeah like for the sims there was like really they did a version of that song where they re-sang it in sim language and it's Garatada. That is wild. Hmm. I, I that yeah. is so like 2003. It's the, it's the it. most 2003 <laughs> thing, and of all, and I remember at the time even being like, really that version? <laughs> like what? <laughs> um, it was clear the studio knew something was wrong because they released the single as "Let's Get It Started" on the album. It's Let's uh, Get It. R-word. So no, 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 they're so. both on the album. I listened today actually, and like the "Let's Get It" R word was, uh, you know, was on there as a second song. But then they have the spike mix, they call it, um, which is at yeah. the end they chose to promote. Yeah, that. which is yeah. still, but I mean, they kept it still too. They could have, you know, done it differently and still interesting that it is on they, there too. Do you think that they that they might have re-released it though? Because that I know that definitely happened back in the day. Yeah, I mean it's possible. Like, uh, when you like a lot of times, because um, at that point you know you're you're still very much in the album sales era. I could see them being like, "All right, guys, uh, the clean version started popping off. Maybe it was dumb that we didn't think about that beforehand, but here we go." Like, yeah, just, I mean that, that was my. Thinking. It could be yeah. definitely, but Especially I if it's at the end. I guess what I was trying to say just in the whole scheme of things too was that. Um, it was just very, you have two, you know, you have one song that's very, you know, hey, like, yes, world peace, and we want to make sure that everything, right. you know, is going on, but then it's like, also, we're going to have this song, and you're like, oh, okay, like, kind of interesting, kind of, you know. Yeah, very hmm. weird blind spot. It is, it is very weird, yeah. um, but like I said, I mean, we've moved on from using that word now, so maybe, you know hopefully with everything that's going on now there can be more and more progress too so like Stefan said 17 mm. years how much has changed so maybe you know more and more that things will change too uh Stefan do you have any uh thoughts about your first memories about this song I can't remember the first time I heard it honestly I think I just was inundated with it through commercials and rather random 
it's it's a pandering pop song. That's what yeah. it is. And <laughs> yeah, when you when you bring up the point, it's on the same album as "Let's Get It Started" and the other version. It's clear that it's pandering even more so. Mm-hmm. So I, I I agree. Yeah. So awesome. So you know all different types. You know, not remembering it, maybe remembering it for weird reasons and then remembering it when you're in belgium too so worldwide uh, <laughs> it definitely was a worldwide hit <laughs> as well it too. was so we'll get to that yes we will so all right ryan uh let's jump into all the history surrounding the black eyed peas this song and everything uh i said off air i'm really excited to hear about the black eyed peas because as big as they were i think i know nothing about them <laughs> when i look back <laughs> at it actually which maybe is telling That's, a little yeah. bit too <laughs> sounds a lot that sounds accurate. Yeah, and you aren't the only person to know nothing about them. Um, their first two albums are really obscure, but we'll dive into how they met. Um, so it's 1995, and you have Will I Am and Apple D App, and they were in um, several groups around the Los Angeles area. One of the groups was called Black Eyed Pots. Do you guys think that rings as well as Black Eyed Peas? What? I do not. Black Eyed Pods. Black Eyed Pods. No. I don't even. That, not at all. Black eyed peas is that, a food, so maybe they. Yeah, I, I, that doesn't even yeah, make sense. I don't know. Black eyed pods, black black eyed peas. Hmm. What? So yeah, we we see this with several um, bands and artists we cover. They have different names, and then they stick to one. I think that was the wise decision to go from pods to peas. Yeah. Um, they did that, and they also found the guy known as Taboo along the way. So now we have a trio, and they are the black eyed peas. I'm sorry, they're black eyed peas at this part. No the. Okay. Very important. Um, so they, they released their first two albums and when they started out in the nineties, you had two primary camps of hip hop. You had gangster rap, which was very popular in LA. And then you had what Chris just mentioned, the conscious hip hop, think the roots, most deaf, day less soul. And if anything, these guys kind of lean toward that, uh, latter group. Uh, they were very lyrical. They used live instrumentation. And if you consider the recent albums, like the end and the beginning, the Black Eyed Peas using live instrumentation is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. That was um, that was back. One random song that I like from that um, is Joints and Jam. <laughs> it's like from their first album, I want to say. And I, I found it out because for whatever reason, they tacked it on as a bonus track on the end. Oh man, I remember <laughs> I remember just really liking the bonus tracks much more than the actual album when I got it. <laughs> so I, I can't say I remember that song, but that album it was coming from was called Behind the Front, and that was 1998. So at that point, it was what 12 years old, 15 yeah, years old. Like that's that's a that yeah. I would not have known about it had it not been tacked on to the Target Deluxe version of the end. I don't know why. And, and it's possible they tacked it on because they felt like their early career wasn't getting enough attention. Yeah. You had Behind the Front, really no commercial success. 1998. They released a second album called Bridging the Gap in 2000. And they had a singer named Kim Hill, who was actually part of the band. Think of like kind of an early Fergie. Um, but she left in the middle of that album because she feared the label would over-sexualize her. Um, maybe Fair. they were right. Maybe they were wrong. Um, but they did have one mild hit from that album. It was called Request Line featuring Macy Gray. And that hit 63 in 2001. So their first two albums, not a lot of success. So they're about to release their third album, Elefunk. That's where we get the song, Where's the Love? Uh, And the pressure was really on for them to break through commercially. Uh, Their label was kind of saying, what's the deal, guys? Let's go. 
Um, Will I Am was hesitant to do so, fearing that he would be labeled as a sellout. If we think about Will I Am later in his career, this is kind of funny in my personal opinion. Anyway, I'll keep my personal opinion out of it. Yeah. So <laughs> they thought of a few tactics about how to pop off in a commercial way. First, they lost their female lead vocalist. They needed another one. So in 2002, they began the search. And a fun fact is uh, Nicole Scherzinger of later would be the Pussycat Dolls was actually auditioned for the part Fergie would take. Really? Yes. I had no I idea. I could but... see that. I could see her being, you know, part of the group. Yeah, I think they would have honestly had the same success. That's no knock on Fergie, but that's more uh, acclaim on Nicole Scherzinger. They have, they both have very great voices. Um, they're both beautiful women, and I mean, I think she would have stepped in and done fine. Yeah, I can't remember if they ever collaborated, but they were always in the same conversation around the mid two thousands. They did collaborate in two thousand sixteen, but hold on, we'll get there. So, um, unfortunately, Nicole Scherzinger is not part of the story at this point, but Fergie is. And the two bands met because Fergie was in um, a female trio called Wild Orchard. And before that, she was actually the voice of Sally in the Peanuts cartoons in the 80s. No shit. I know. I wa- Yeah, I watched the Peanuts a lot, and I probably heard her without knowing that's Fergie. That's Charlie Brown's sister, by the way, Sally, with the blonde hair. Well, that's funny that you mentioned not knowing Fergie's voice because Fergie is in all the lights and I thought it was Rihanna the whole time, but it's Fergie after the breakdown, (laughs) so maybe she just hides her voice very well. It's a very, you know, um, versatile voice, so I don't blame you for that. So we got step one. We have our female pop artists. We're going to make Black Eyed Peas really popular. Step two is we need to add the word the to Black Eyed Peas. That, this is where the band adds the. They're now the Black Eyed Peas. I mean, that's crucial to becoming popular. Yes, of course. <laughs> Step three, if we want a lead single off this album, we need a major pop artist on the song. And it's 2002 when the album is getting created. Uh, Tabu introduces a guy named Justin Timberlake to the band. Um, and Justin Timberlake vibes with them. He heard a guitar track that Will I Am created. Uh, it's that guy that guitar at the very beginning of the song and the band loves it however as we learned in um, previous episodes 2002 justin timberlake is breaking out he's about to release justified and his label was kind of concerned about oversaturation of justin timberlake in the market he was about to have um justified he had in sync their last album a year before and he was about to go into the super bowl so they were worried about him going on where's the love and they were threatening to pull him out the band and um justin timberlake's representation eventually made a compromise they said justin timberlake won't be in the video and he's not going to be credited as a featured artist and that's kind of funny because my girlfriend and i were listening to the song a few weeks ago and she goes justin timberlake is in this song and i go yeah you didn't know that she says i thought that was fergie so to your point, Anthony, Fergie is very versatile. She blends into everything, but a lot of people didn't know Justin Timberlake was in the song because he's not actually credited as an artist. Makes sense. So we have our three-step uh, process of getting a major pop song. We add Fergie, we add the word the, we add Justin Timberlake, and we get the first single off Elefunk, Where is the Boom. Love, on June 16th, 2003. That's the That's recipe. all it took. Fergie, the, Justin Timberlake. 
So this song has almost been released exactly 16 years to the date, June 16th. It eventually reaches a peak of number eight only a few weeks later in August of that year. And I think it really rose that fast because the label was worried about oversaturation of Justin Timberlake. And even though he wasn't credited as the artist, people at the time knew that was Justin Timberlake. I think he was really the most important part of that three-step process of uh, making a pop song. And that's why that song became so popular so fast. In terms of sales, it was the best-selling single in the UK in 2003. Chris, you mentioned how this was a big hit in Belgium. It was a global hit. You were absolutely right. Um, It was critically acclaimed. It's nominated for Record of the Year and the Best Rap Song Collaboration at the 2004 Grammys. So this is uh, the Black Eyed Peas' first huge pop song, and people love it. Commercially, critically, people love it. So later on, we're chugging along. Um, I'll just touch through the later albums and releases through the Black Eyed Peas' career, because as we mentioned, most people know them for their later stuff. They released three more singles from Ella Funk, including Let's Get It Started, that peaks at 21 in 2004. Monkey Business in 2004, probably my personal favorite. You had hits such as Don't Funk With My Heart, Don't Lie, My Humps. I think Fergie is much more featured on that album than Ella Funk. Then you get the Fergie break for The Duchess. The band kind of takes a hiatus uh, in between 2004 and 2009, which is actually quite a sizable gap. Looking back, I didn't think it was that long, but, you know, they gave Fergie a year or two to promote her own stuff. Five years, just like uh, Fall Out Boy did. Yep. Yeah. And and when we talk about five-year hiatuses, the band are going to change a lot in that period. So in 2009, we get the end, which stands for Energy Never Dies. And I'm going to serve this up to Chris because I think this is a very interesting album. And when we talk about Billboard charts, there's a lot of interesting uh, singles that made history yeah it's (laughs) it's interesting to say the least i mean um so the end came out um we've talked before about how at the end of the 2000s the the national recession really influenced quite a bit of um the sound of music at the time and culture in general um the end was according to will i am directly born out of a out of an understanding, in his opinion, of the world wanting something something to party to. Um, he, uh, he, the first single, Boom Boom Pow, um, he kind of, he kind of pictured, he said, as an anthem for, um, an anthem for recovery. Um, it ended up being, uh, being one I don't know that the, that this actually was their first top um, Billboard uh, Hot 100 number one hit. I think it. I might think have it been. was number three, and then um, "Don't Funk with My Heart." It tied that. that. That's my understanding. Now, "Boom Boom Pow" did go number one. Oh, my bad. "Don't Funk with My Heart" was the um, highest charting song until this. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was the first number one single. Wikipedia just loaded, <laughs> and so it ended up being. Um, it ended up being their not just their first number one single, but a massive hit for uh, being number one for twelve weeks, three months of the year two thousand nine, which is crazy. And it only would it would have been um, any artist's you know peak, but it immediately was followed up by "I Got a Feeling," which we all know um, because oh, God. oh was, do we know it was drilled into our heads at the number one spot for fourteen consecutive weeks. 
So yeah. that is 26 consecutive weeks of the Black Eyed Peas <laughs> at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in 2009. That is half the year. <laughs> and um, Is that the most the, overplayed song of all time, do you think? I got a feeling. I don't know if I have any room to say objectively, but I will say yes. It definitely is. I think is. collectively <laughs> it was overplayed so much, and our generation was in high school at this point. We don't want to hear it anymore. I don't think you've heard this song in a club. For it's the, the last bullshit. It's the bullshit teen song. It's a it, hey. It's just <laughs> it's us, and we have tonight, and that's it. Yeah. It, oh fuck! <laughs> Terrible. Now I. I will, um, I remember when this song, I, I mentioned I bought the deluxe version of this album at, at Target. I don't know why. Anyway, I did. And I, I remember at this time, everyone kind of having nostalgia for the days of where's the love and don't funk with my heart and hey, and hey mama and whatnot. And, um, you know, this was a completely different sound. Fully electronic. Uh, Will I am as well. Uh, he and Fergie both had solo albums in the Gap, um, and Will I am solo album saw him starting to experiment with more house uh, influence yep. sounds. Um, Wait, so was the dirty by... bit on this one, or was that Will I am solo? So album? that was that was the beginning. The next uh, one, which, the okay. next year. You remember how we just talked about a five year gap? <laughs> <laughs> that one was that one was nine months. <laughs> <laughs> and was recorded while the songs of the end were there were there were five consecutive top ten hits um that came from that album and in that time they said, Wow, this works, let's do more and made a second album that was something. <laughs> and uh they you know, that's that's really um they they wisely kinda um kinda didn't try to follow that up too quickly. <laughs> um they're their next studio album would come out in 2018 um, yep. as a, and, and I'll, I, I won't get too far into this, um, but it, it was a return to the trio. Um, it was a return to the first, um, the initial sound of the band. And most uh, notably, it was a return to commercial um, failure. So I like <laughs> that you say that, Chris, because I think that, Robert California from The Office said it the best about um, the Black Eyed Peas when he said, I'm so tired of the Black Eyed Peas. It's rock and roll for people who don't like rock and roll. It's rap for people who don't like rap. It's pop for people who don't like pop. Um, And that is literally the most accurate thing I've ever heard about the Black Eyed Peas, I think. And it just goes to show with everything that even goes on like throughout their time that, yeah, they were just like, hey, we're going to make this. And it was pretty well encompassed by robert california from the office yeah there's a lot that could be said about the black eyed peas album but all you need to know is that for literally half of one of the formative years of all of us and in at the eighth of our high school careers if you think of it at the end of (laughs) at the end of uh the 2000s decade and very much just blasting directly into the start of the 2010s they were everywhere. <laughs> like you thought, you thought you saw a hit in "Where Is the Love" and in "My Humps." This was another insane level. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And I, I, if you think about their first two albums where they struggled for commercial relevance, relevance, um, they probably loved every moment of this, and that's why they probably snuck a track from their first album 
onto the deluxe version and said, hey, listen to how we struggled to get here. Um, So as Chris mentioned, we had the beginning in 2010. I want to stop at a point in 2016, which was in between the beginning and their latest album in 2018. They release another version of Where's the Love. Um, Not quite a 10-year anniversary, maybe a 13-year anniversary, uh, but it's Where's the Love featuring the world, also known as hashtag Where's the Love. And we'll put the video um, in the link here. (coughs) It's symbolic because the original Where's the Love was the first song where they worked with Fergie. This is the last song the Black Eyed Peas would work with Fergie. She dropped out of the band after this. Um, So kind of symbolic how that came around full circle. But for this version, it was a huge celebrity turnout. You had Nicole Scherzinger appearing after she lost the job to Fergie. Kind of Mm -hmm. ironic. You had verses by DJ Khaled, The Game. You had Kris Jenner, uh, Kendall Jenner, apologies. Usher, Justin Timberlake himself. There's a whole list. It's filled with cameos. I forgot about this song until reading about it. Uh, then I was like, oh, yeah. That I happened. didn't even know it existed. Because so much has happened since 2016. I didn't know that, that happened. Yeah. It, didn't, it didn't quite make a, make a splash. And I think it got lost because um, it was released in September of 2016. We had the election in November um, a lot. That was a huge landmark month. Um, it kind of tried to address a lot of things at once. The Syrian conflict, terrorist attacks in Paris and Brussels, the Orlando Pulse shooting. Uh, but one thing I did want to call about this song is it was really leaning into some of the victims of police brutality. Um, it featured members of the families of Philandro Castile, who's actually shot outside of Minneapolis, much like George Floyd, not in Minneapolis, but nearby. And um, Alton Sterling, also some of his family members, but then it also tried to bridge the gap between police victims and actual police officers. It had representatives from the Dallas Police Department. The game has like a quasi all lives matter verse. So it kind of shows like what has changed between 2016 and 2020. Black Lives Matter was kind of like maybe on the peripheral at that point. You didn't want to fully align with them if you're making a pop song. The game did not want to, um, and the Black Eyed Peas like, really tried to portray both sides here by including some members of the police, and now I don't think anybody would do that. I mean, I think, it, think? I think it definitely shows kind of their perspective on it as, I mean, you know, I, far be it for me to say that whether or not they genuinely had good intentions here, but... I don't know. It, it definitely. I remember when it came out. It definitely kind of landed as a bit callous and uh, yeah. capitalizing. Um, you know why? Why alienate part of the potential base of people who would stream this song? Right? Like mm-hmm. it is. It was very much. You know, what's what's the what's the word? Performative activism is what yes. it, is what <laughs> it came off as to me, and um, I didn't realize that it had. Um, both gun violence um, and police violence, family members and policemen in it, but that is yeah, actual uh, officers of the Dallas Police Department. I will say that it had the game's verse was very like all lives matter, but then there was a verse by ASAP Rocky and Jaden Smith, which was kind of the opposite. And then there's a verse of DJ Khaled just screaming DJ Khaledisms. And it's just very awkward. And then Will I Am is singing in his auto tune voice. It doesn't hit the same as Where's the Love. It's just a, 
uh, hodgepodge yeah. of nonsense. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. I think that, like you said, like I didn't know that it was even a thing, but just from hearing about it, it's like, oh, this maybe didn't hit the mark the way they wanted to, um, and maybe it could have been better thought out or maybe better executed. Um, having DJ Khaled scream over any track is a little, <laughs> you know, that's not his album is a little bit, you know, huh? but also, yeah, I think it's more like, you know, maybe it was a political stunt at the time for them, but you know, maybe, maybe it wasn't, but that's something that is, is interesting. One good thing out of this is like proceeds from this did go to Will I Am's college education fund, so it wasn't entirely a stunt. There was some financial resources going to people in need. Um, so I mean, if there is a benefit to this, I will say that. And it was four years ago. A lot has changed since. That's true. Maybe they wouldn't make the same decisions now. Just playing devil's advocate, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was hodgepodge. Um, and since then, this is 2016. Chris mentioned they released an album in 2018. They went back to being a trilogy for a bit. They lost the the. Now they're Black Eyed Peas again. So if you're keeping track, we went Black Eyed Peas, the Black Eyed Peas. Write that Peas, down. Write Peas. that down at home. Right. Yeah. <laughs> write that down. And if you really want to go back, put Black Eyed Pods at the beginning. <laughs> um, but yeah, Chris mentioned they tried to go back to their earlier roots. They lost the uh, EDM aspect of the early 2010s. Did not hit with um, commercial audiences whatsoever. They're still trying though. Um, in April ten, on April tenth, two thousand twenty, they have a single named Mama Sita, and they are debuting a new member of their band named J Ray Soul. She um, joined the band after finishing as a finalist on the Voice of the Philippines in two thousand eighteen. Um, it's a reggaeton song. It's a totally new direction for the band, and the yeah. original three members kind of take a background role here. I did see that um, they had a they had a hit last year, um, the first time since the last single of the beginning. Um, that I can't remember the name of it, but I know that it um, I know that it was from uh, Bad Boys, the Bad Boys for Life movie. Oh yes, yeah. And um, it was uh, it was with Jay Balvin. That's uh, which. So they're trying to appeal to the Latin American market. Yeah, um, they're you can you can say a lot about the Black Eyed Peas. They transform their sound. I can't believe they're, they're still doing stuff. stuff. I can't. I, mean, I, I actually cannot believe that they are still they doing did nothing stuff for seven years. Yes, I know. <laughs> and the thing was is is I thought they were done because you just heard about Will I Am doing whatever he was doing, um, which was he was doing things. Yeah, but then I was like, oh, okay, that's that's what it was. I thought they were done. So good know. to know I, they I, aren't. I, maybe I, the same. I don't know. I thought the same, but I'm not 100% surprised to hear that they're coming back and basically trying to repeat the same cycle. Yeah, I mean, it's a very long cycle, and when we take a look at where's the love, how that landed in the cycle, it's interesting because that was like America, mainstream America's first taste of Black Eyed Peas. I say that kind of as a double entendre because it is a food Uh, item. Um, But... It's the first official single to feature Fergie, so maybe America's first taste of Fergie, first taste of Black Eyed Peas. And if you look at where the country was in 2003, it was a little different than now. We had entered Iraq just months before. Anthony's going to get into the lyrics. A lot of the um, lyrical content mentions wars abroad. We were only two years removed from 2001, and with all that nonsense happening, we still had the continuous oppressive 
systemic racism that we experience to this day and there's a verse about that so it was a bit of pandering but there was a there were definitely truth nuggets in the lyrics and i think america recognized that as genuine and that's why this song went to number eight that's fair they also added the word the to their artist name that will help every time that's the key that's what you gotta do Mm -hmm. awesome well thanks for the breakdown i learned a lot about the black eyed peas or the black the black eyed pods, whatever the hell they were, um, before too. Uh, so I am glad, I guess, to have learned that. Um, it gives me more perspective on their whole career, which is pretty interesting. So you're welcome, I guess. Yeah, thank you I mean, for that. <laughs> um, and there, all right, Chris, let's get into some production um, and anything surrounding. Uh, you know, there might be some little tidbits about. Well, I am, and live instrumentation, things like that, too. But uh, take it away. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, um, the song is uh, it's definitely more produced um, than what was previously uh, kind of known from the group. But it did have a lot of their, at the time, signature hallmarks. Uh, live instrumentation, kind of a, um, kind of a more uh, world music-influenced um, kind of path to do classic hip-hop sound um definitely a classic hip-hop style drum beat um you know uh (laughs) kick drums and hand claps essentially um on on the surface it's it's very much kind of you know line drive uh pop production um for the early 2000s hip-hop dominance era um we'll uh We'll we'll talk about the top ten at the time later, but this definitely fits. Is all I'll say for now. Um, the one thing that I noticed when I was looking this up, so this was definitely a a commercialized um, intent through and through. And I will say, if there's anything that uh, that ever stuck with me out of this song it wasn't the production um because kind of it was meant for lowest common denominator like you know mom approved yeah mom approved rounded edges like this is what happens when you give a band a budget and that's exactly what the case was yeah so chris Um, it seems very like basic and simple i know that we've talked about other beats that have been like basic and simple but this one seems like very like straightforward and simple and easy to maybe create is that a a weird way to put it well no because i mean it is just it's a repeating um chord loop over and over um that what's interesting is that it was inspired by that guitar sound at the beginning which immediately gets buried and even gets cut out of the radio version um but it uh it's yeah it's i mean for the most part it's it's the sort of thing that you could create on GarageBand nowadays. That said, at the time, this was this was a again very commercialized effort. So a little history we mentioned, um, you know, Ryan mentioned that this was kind of the album where they said, "Okay, we really would like this to be a commercial hit." Um, we just had some failures. Let's see what we can do. Um, so they were approached by an A and R executive, Ron Fair. Um, who, in addition to being a multi-million dollar, um, you know, record label big shot, uh, had some had some pretty some pretty solid production credits under his uh, under his belt, 
he um he actually came up doing um engineering for slayer so um that's you know pretty <laughs> pretty interesting uh way to start things out but you know he had his uh his sound engineering bona fides and just a couple years before was um was the main the main producer behind lady marmalade um the christina pink my own little kim version um he worked with uh mary j blige on her be without you album um produced big yellow taxi by counting crows and um a thousand miles by vanessa carlton um, sensing a theme here yeah uh he he can't he approached black eyed peas said okay guys um you know we're you know y'all i want to say that it was capital at the time he's worked with a number of uh record labels um and i want to say black eyed peas were okay they were on interscope um which he he was also affiliated but he's been affiliated with Capital, Virgin, Universal, Geffen, Interscope, um, a number of, you know, top top name record labels over the years. At the time, it must have been Interscope. Um, he, uh, he approached them, said, why don't we make this a thing? Um, when this song was initially produced, it was The Loop. Um, it was built around that guitar sample and... Uh, he actually ended up bringing in a string section. Um, the strings that came on the chorus uh, were... <laughs> I, I don't want to say tacked on, but they were. <laughs> they were they were thrown on on in the, um, in the engineering stage of the album, um, and it was at that time that they decided that it would be the, the uh, first single um, and that they would try to get Justin Timberlake. Initially, um, Justin Timberlake's part... Um, kind of to um to vindicate kate a little bit uh were sung by fergie um they they uh they ended up dubbing fergie's ad libs which ended up being her only contribution to the final version of the song afterwards so it's very much a hodgepodge um and sure. you know just the simplicity kind of um kind of kind of lent itself to that in terms of uh actual instrumentation i mean very standard you know really uh really tight tuned drums um you know really chunky hand claps um the the all all the little like percussive effects that you hear in the top hits of the time i mean this was this was around the time that um destiny's child had just had a huge hit by tacking a little bit of modern hip hop percussion onto um onto a Stevie Nicks sample. And I mean, you know, it worked. People were people were very happy about that. Um I I I love that song's production. Um that method and especially carbon copies of that sort of method often lead to um things that sound a little uninspired. So um I definitely <laughs> like I said, the the parts of this song that um that really stand out to me years later were not um, were not production based. What did stand out to me was the chorus and the melody that happens at that point um, from Justin Timberlake, uh, which apparently was co-written by um, by Will I Am, Justin Timberlake, and uh, and George Pad Pahone or Pajone. I don't quite know how to uh, George P. It. George P. Yeah, he and he's a session musician. Um, they uh, when they were working on um, on the song again, they initially kind of intended it as a Fergie part, and 
ended up relegating her to ad libs for better or worse. Um, the that said, I mean, I really think Justin Timberlake was one of the most, you know, one of the most Im- important parts of this song and one of the best aging parts of the song. A lot of Will I Am's lyrics um, aged, and <laughs> uh, and just in general, the song's production. You know, like I said, very, very kind of par for the course for the time. But as a result, it ends up, especially when you listen to what else was a hit at the time. I, I point back to Destiny's Child and Beyonce in general. I mean, people were reinventing what you could do within the confines of the sounds that you want, that you, you know, were used to on the mainstream. And this was the exact opposite of that. This was literally a, a record label A&R approaching the band saying, let's smooth every single edge possible <laughs> to this song. Um, it worked. It was a line drive, like I said. Um, again, this is a this is of a different time, though. It's it's honestly really ironic to me that they were the people were worried about overexposure of Justin Timberlake, considering what the method is nowadays to really saturate, you know, saturate, saturate. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> we were uh, you know like it, it that that goes to show you know this is of a different era this is just before digital downloads really took off um people were probably sensing a bit of a shifting of the tides and this was definitely uh play it safe but make an impact and basically get the most out of your investment sort of song so well the 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 uh, if justin timberlake wasn't on this song i wonder if you get those harmonies that are present in the chorus, which you say have aged the you know the best out of all aspects of the song. Yeah, honestly, you think Justin Timberlake's upcoming. He's like you know in a boy band that they're trained to harmonize with each other. Yeah, so no, I, you, I if, honestly wouldn't. I wouldn't expect that. I mean, I you know love to Fergie. She's produced some incredible music, but I can't necessarily imagine her. Um, in that role as effectively as Justin. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, anything else that you want to add before we break down some lyrics? Um, you know, there honestly, there's really just not a lot to talk about production wise with this song. Like you, like you said, Anthony, it seemed it's a lot of times it, it takes a lot of work to make a song this, well, this simple really um and that's somewhat true but it's more just that they they spent a ton of money creating it and uh making it as you know this is simplicity for lowest common denominator's sake um we you know and you'll talk about the lyrics and i i have a i have a feeling that it'll be kind of a similar story but it, this is not necessarily a this is not necessarily something that pushes the boundaries anywhere except for Justin Timberlake who is still making a name for himself and um, you know you can really hear that it's ironic because this is what carved out Black Eyed Peas but given what Black Eyed Peas would end up becoming it also makes sense that the way that they lodged themselves into the music industry was by um, you know just a consecutive series of successful bumps a Trojan horse of pandering, if you will. Basically, yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a very calculated song, but also very safe. But it works in that way, too. And sometimes simplicity is the best way in anything to do things. Um, 
Yeah, but I'll break down some lyrics. I think the lyrics do go a little bit more in depth than maybe we give them a little bit credit for, but maybe that is just yeah, because and- of what is going on now too, which I know I, I want to kind of dive into. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like I'm pretty cynical on this song, just mainly based on the fact that, you know, in the context of what we're looking at here, we're looking back at a number of songs where you can hear, you know, hallmarks of the genre and where, you know, where new ground is broken, you know, like I love pop music and I love hearing when a pop song pushes the pushes the envelope and where you can kind of see a new strain of influence come from it. I genuinely don't hear this song as something that, you know, kids at that time, like the people who would end up coming up five, five, ten years later said, oh, yeah, you know, that drum pattern. Like, yeah, trying to work on. No, no. And <laughs> so, I mean. You know, we even even with Soldier Boy, like I like I was I was pretty rough there, but I we have you have to give it for to Soldier Boy for at least putting in some like at least putting in notable passion. I I don't I don't think that I I think that this song could have been a lot more if um if situations were different, but also that's. I don't know. I, I'm also biased in general by Will I Am. I don't, I don't have a great opinion of, of him uh, in terms of his production going forward. But like I said, there the reason that the that this song worked um, is is that it that it kind of it, it predicted what uh, what it would land as very successfully, and I can't fault them for that. You know, it's a it, it was successful at what it set out to do. Yeah. I completely agree. I think they wanted it to be uh, a We Are the World type thing, and it it wasn't quite there, but I think, like I said, I'll break down some of what I think is important in the song with the lyrics and what they were trying to do, and they did, I think, get some messages across. Maybe that weren't seen in 2003, but could be put into you know perspective now, too. So I'll kind of dive right into everything uh, regarding the lyrics. Um First of all, the song from the top um, was the number one single off of the album. So that in its own right, maybe Chris, when you're talking about calculated or different things like that, um, it was a song that, you know, was, you know, we were in Iraq and, you know, this song is about terrorism and police brutality and racism and everything else. And, you know, let's all come together in a kumbaya moment. Um, That could be that. I mean, it pretty much was the label saying well this is what is going to get us some plays and what's going to be you know everyone's first um glimpse into the black eyed peas now that which they were uh, in this moment uh oh. into yes the. exactly they're like hey world we are the black eyed peas and you're gonna know us damn it um you just don't know it yet um as well so um for better right. for better or worse <laughs> yes um so the first verse is will i am um What's wrong with the world, mama? People living like they ain't got no mamas. Those aren't really, to me, good lyrics, but then the other uh, two lines are, you know, a little bit better. Um, when he says, I think the whole world's addicted to the drama, only attracted to the things that'll bring you trauma. Um, like I said, I'm going to do a lot of what's going on now. Um, you know, it was going on then too, but I think it's really important that we're breaking this down now with things that are going. You look at the news, it happens all the time. They go, what's going on that are bad? Uh, the 
looting that's going on, not the peaceful protests. So I think that kind of a shot just at media in general. We still see it now, 17 years later, um, that people are addicted to those type of things that are going on, not what is going on that is peaceful or what's going on that is, you know, quote unquote, the right way to do things. Uh, that is what we are looking at now. So maybe a shot at the media that way and things are going on now. Um, next line is talk about terrorism. Um, talk about, he says, then we still got terrorists here living in the USA, the big CIA, the Bloods and the Crips, and the KKK. Um, those ones are pretty self explanatory, um, you know, with everything that's going on. But if you only have love for your own race, then you only leave space to discriminate. And discriminate only generates hate. And when you hate, you're bound to get irate. Um, like I said, still things that are going on now and everything. Um, I also had a miss uh, quote with this one. I thought it was, uh, when you hate, you're bound to get our rate. Um, I didn't think it was irate when I first heard it. Um, it you're bound to get our rate. Um, I was like, I don't know what that means, but okay, we'll just sing along um, with it. So uh, <laughs> it's when you're bound to, you're bound to get irate. Um, which is, you know, everything that's going on, um, as well. Um, not much else going on in the first verse. I think those, you know, few lines really kind of talked about police brutality and everything that's going on now. Um, you get into the Justin Timberlake chorus, um, which we learned was what Fergie had originally done. Um, I'm glad that JT was on this. I did... No, just from hearing that it was Justin Timberlake, I could see how people didn't know that it was him, um, just by the way that things were going. Um, everyone probably knows this one. Um, people killing, people dying, children hurt, and you hear them crying. Can you practice what you preach, and would you turn the other cheek? Father, 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 help us. Send some guidance from above. These people got me, got me questioning, where is the love? And then the post-chorus has Will I Am and Fergie. Didn't know the Will I Am was in it. You can kind of hear it, I guess, a little bit, too. Um, maybe that is, is no auto tune. No, yeah. So for people familiar with later Black Eyed Peas, you're not gonna recognize. Yes, so I didn't hear it, but you can hear Fergie kind of hopping in. Uh, maybe would have wished that she did a more duet with Justin Timberlake. I don't think that would have been out of the realm of possibility to do on the actual no, chorus part, especially if they're you know saying, "Hey, we have a new member, and it's Fergie, who we know has made you know." amazing songs um too but uh kind of seem like they're hiding her a little bit still um i mean of course other songs on the album she's prevalent too um but i thought that th that it was a great chorus for jt to kind of come in um not quite a falsetto correct me if i'm wrong but i mean he's hitting his range but he's almost at the top of his range uh there uh in my opinion too so um basically just saying hey we all need love, and where is the love right now? And I think that's something that we can feel right now uh, as well. Um, the next verse is by Taboo. Um, not a lot in this verse um, that I really wanted to talk about. Um, I think one of the things that... Um, his is more about war in general as well. I know that we still now are you know, going through you know, conflicts um, with different things. I think it gets not swept under the rug he says that in his verse that the truth is being kept secret swept under the rug so maybe more was going on this time and can't be as you know prevalent today but maybe even a few years ago this would have been more prevalent um with everything um that was going on well with that line uh, the truth is being swept under the rug um in 2003 the reason for going into iraq was nuclear weapons right and uh they said they were there they never found them 
and um, yeah, the American public a few months in, you had the mission accomplished thing on the, the battleship, and then it was clear we're going to be here for a while with no clear objective. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the context around that line. Yeah, and I mean, he does mention nations dropping bombs, chemical gases filling the lungs of little ones. Um, yeah. I mean, you look at tear gas that's being, you know, disposed on people um, now. So, I mean, not in the same way that they're talking about it, but still chemical yep. gases in general. Um, I know there was that girl who ended up having an asthma attack in Columbus, Ohio. Um, she was peacefully protesting, too. So kind of a little eerie um, to hear that uh, as well, too. Still happening. It is. Ring true in two separate ways, with Saddam gassing his own people and then here the police gassing tear gas. Exactly. That's exactly. It is a little bit eerie. Um, have another chorus with JT um, and then Will I Am and Fergie. Um, and then... This last verse, um, I know you just said his name, Apple D app, Apple D app, is that who it is? Mm-hmm. I thought it was just Apple D uh, for um, for the longest time. So <laughs> yeah, he did, shorthand. He did always just say Apple. Okay, D yeah. I didn't know um, <laughs> that that was going on. Um, he had more of kind of a, I think, like verse that wasn't based off of war and different things um and i mean the first line is i feel the weight of the world on my shoulders as i'm getting older y'all people get colder um and i think that was kind of powerful because as we get older and older now i mean all three of us well chris and i are 26 ryan will be 26 soonish uh as well too i think it is just from what happened even from I think when All Right came out or This Is America, you know, we're younger and younger. But as we get older, it's like, holy cow, there is a lot that is going on and is really messed up. And you do realize, you know, when you're a kid, you might not see it as much. Or maybe it's just us, you know, we're three white males and we don't really get to, you know, know what's going on with everything, you know. And it is just that education, yep. everything that you get when you grow up more and more that is kind of crazy. So just saying that, like... I feel the weight of the world on my shoulders is that's a heavy weight, right? You're like, I, Hey, I know what's going on and things are fucked up and they're messed up, but you know, I want to see what's going on. And he says, most of us only care about money making selfish got us following the wrong direction. Wrong information always shown by the media. Negative images is the main criteria. Same thing that Will I Am talked about. It's all the negativity that gets, you know, put in the news and in the media. Um, I think of like, this is a weird way to put it, but like, you know, when they have like the meme where it's like Instagram versus real life or like things like that. Like, I think like things like that, like people try to hide behind what's not true or what's just, you know, only positive when there's all this other stuff that's going on um, in the world and within all the other stuff uh, as well, too. I think it's also kind of a kind of a sign of the times at that point before social media and before the ability for the people to make a um, to kind of dictate discourse. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, this is, you know, a, again, not, not, um, not to diminish your point. I mean, we are kind of folks who grew up in extreme privilege and, you know, society for, um, for white people, especially, um, does its best to shelter you and you really have to, you really have to look for it and, and be willing to kind of, to face discomfort and, uh, face your face what's actually happening um especially when you're a kid and especially when uh when what you're being exposed to and when we were we were kids at this time was you know a lot of what was kind of deemed okay in pop culture 
I mean, the fact that this was even to this point as political, um, I have to give him credit for that because he knew, you know, he had a platform and he had uh, he had the opportunity to say to, you know, take Justin Timberlake's growing and very white fan base um, kind of directly at middle America and say, this is this is reality, you know follow this follow this thread and you'll find out what's actually happening mm-hmm. um obviously bar, obviously you know years later it's much harder for gatekeepers to dictate what's acceptable and what's able to be known i mean um kind of the double-edged sword of social media you don't really have you don't really have a filter anymore but i i think it's i think it's improved for the better and i do have to give will i am his credit for you know, but the Black Eyed Peas in general, I have to give their credit for making a song like this at the time. Yeah, absolutely. So it is one of those things that you you look a little bit deeper. And I mean, you know, you sing it and it's on the radio and you're like, oh, OK, like, here's what it is. But there is a little bit more kind of to everything. And then the last one that I want to go over in depth, um, still in Apple D's um, verse, um, is whatever happened to the values of humanity, whatever happened to the fairness and equality Instead of spreading love, we spread an animosity. Lack of understanding lead us away from unity. And, I mean, I pause there for a second because I don't think I have to explain really anymore in that. Um, that one's maybe the most clear-cut in the whole song, um, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, that one just really speaks out and is, hey, what happened to all this? And, you know, we're supposed to be in a, a free and equal country and not everyone gets that one interesting thing about this first apple d apps apple d whatever um in in the video he's being chased by a cop and he's eventually apprehended and the lyrics i don't think are like blatant enough to portray that but when like you speak that line that you just spoke whatever happened to values of humanity whatever happened to fairness and equality and you match it up with the video it takes a different message. Yeah, and um, the video, I mean, would have been what played on MTV probably at this time, right? Are we in YouTube time or yep. just right in the cusp? A little before, uh, 2003. So uh, yeah, it's YouTube on YouTube later, but I mean, like, that's the thing is, like, some of us weren't allowed to watch MTV all the time, a.k.a. me, um, with everything. Okay. <laughs> um, but so that's the thing is you might not know or, like, if you're, you know, in – I mean, 2003, we're, what, eight, nine years old or whatever at this time? Yeah. yeah. Like, maybe a little bit younger. Like, I don't I don't know what this, what this all is. Like, hey, this, it's a song with Justin Timberlake, and I'm going to sing it. Uh, but it really right. does have <laughs> a lot more going on. Um, but then just the last part with the outro, Will I Am, um, he says, one world, one world, you know, we only got one world. Um, something's wrong with it. Something's wrong with the world. Um, and it trails off, you know, so... That is, 17 years later, I think we can maybe give the Black Eyed Peas. I know we you know, have been like, hey, for better or for worse, the Black Eyed Peas are here. But I think that yeah. they did as good of a job as they could with it. Like you said, Chris, yeah. being you know maybe a calculated song with production and maybe lyrics and everything too. But I think there is stuff in this that was prevalent this time like i said we were young so maybe we didn't know what was going on or anything like that but it's something that can really be stressed now and even more so too so if you are listening Mm -hmm. to the song you want to go listen to it again and listen to it and everything i think it is something that we can look at for hope and humanity and hope and everything else uh, that we can 
have one world and hopefully you know have some good things come of everything that's happening right now i hope we do absolutely yeah one thing about this song is like yes it's clear's pandering yes it was clear it was a safe choice with production and who to include on the song and its intent was to be commercially successful but the intent with the lyrics they're intending to do good here mm-hmm. at least to some extent they're trying to unite and that message is going to ring through all of humanity's course there was we should have mentioned this earlier in the episode but when we look at the 2000s in terms of pop there's not a lot of social justice songs that made it to the top 10 of the billboard charts um this song is one of them that's why we chose this song that's gonna be a trend that you'll see in the 2010s a lot more with all right this is america there's countless more i think like activism became pop later the yeah. two, for 2003 this was um kind of groundbreaking in that aspect yeah the people had much more control over the discourse in recent years and this is a. Uh... This is this is definitely I mean, yeah, I yeah, I definitely uh, I, I can talk all day about how much I don't like the production. But for the for as a as a piece of art that's trying to bring an important message to the mainstream in a mainstream acceptable uh, capsule for what it was at the time. I mean, that's pretty impressive. 100 percent agree. Well, we have broken down everything regarding this song. Um, we are going to do segments a little bit different this week. Um, We're going to do one of our segments, our signature segment though, the top 10 back then. We're actually going to release it as a separate episode, so um, be on the lookout for that Um, with everything that's going on. We want to make sure that we can break down the top 10 back then a little bit more in depth. We always have fun with it, um, but we also don't want you guys having to listen to maybe almost two hours worth of stuff at one time too. We know that's a lot, so we're going to do a little segment. here first and then we will actually be able to you know listen to the top 10 back then in a bigger capacity so stay tuned for that as well when we release that we'll release that on our instagram page and everything when those are coming out as well so i think the segment that we decided for this one will be the most underrated black eyed peas song mm-hmm. yeah we have to give him some love. yes we do i mean Okay, for as much as we've said stuff with them, not every song they had was saturated and, you know, just in our brains for half a year um, plus and everything as well, too. So um, let's start with Chris. Give me, you could be one or two or however many, uh, your most underrated Black Eyed Peas song. Yeah, um... So obviously it was a pretty big hit, but uh, the one that's always kind of got a place in my heart is going to be "Don't Funk with My Heart." <laughs> um, I uh, I really um, I, I mean that one I remember I mentioned I was living in Belgium in 2005 um, when that song was huge and it was huge there. I mean that was one I remember having a conversation with my mom explaining they're not saying fuck. <laughs> you know, like, like you it can't play this on the radio if they say that no exactly <laughs> and um it, it's it is a it is a great song i really like the production i think it actually predicted quite a bit of what um what would end up happening on fergie's album uh the duchess i really uh i mean that's that's one of the few black eyed peas songs that i'll end up coming back to at any point really um and i do have to give for a true underrated um 
uh, I have to give a shout out to Rock That Body. Yes. <laughs> because that song is is very, uh, very much in there, you know, like almost chiptune level EDM phase. But I, I like that song. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. Um, when uh, when it became when it first came out on the end, I remember liking it. And then it was uh, it kind of it became a single the next year as a follow up to I'm a B. Um, and. It was, <laughs> I remember even at the time being, it being kind of taken as, okay, we're kind of starting to move on from this, y'all. <laughs> like, but, um, I, I mean, I thought it was good. It, it's good. It's really good for what it is, honestly. I mean, definitely better than, uh, than I got a feeling. We'll give it that. Um, I think my most underrated song would be, I got a feeling. What? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I was just kidding. Oh my God. No. <laughs> uh, no, I'm totally kidding. Um, nope. I think that the most underrated song uh, by the Black Eyed Peas is Pump It. Um, and maybe that's a little bit of a um, yeah. like stretch because it was number 18 on the Billboard charts. But that was always one that I really liked when they were like, huh? Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, and then, yeah. So that probably that's is my really most sample. underrated. The video uh, for that song wasn't it them as like animals or seals or something? I, I I remember the video and I liked it a lot. I don't know. I might be crazy. I might be hallucinating. I think so. No, I don't know. Um, we've we've had a lot of black eyed peas talk, so maybe we're getting everything uh, mixed up. But um, yeah, that was one. I mean, it was the fourth single from the album, but I always thought that that one didn't, you know, get as much love as the other three. Um, don't funk with my heart, don't lie, my humps. Um, so I'm gonna put pump it as my most underrated uh, song for those reasons. Stefan, what are you? What's your most underrated oh, one or boy. two uh, black eyed peas song? I'll go with two because I. I think we've trashed Black Eyed Peas a lot, but, you know, there's some good in here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to stick with Monkey Business because I think that album is great, and I like an album track from it. It's called Like That, and um, this song, it has a lot of violins. It's very string-oriented, and the other two rappers, other than Will I Am, Apple D. App, and Taboo, really have some great lyrics here that kind of call back to their early stages. Recommend you check that out. We'll include it in the show notes. Um, it's kind of like a throwback song for them on their um, fourth album. The other song I will include from their later career that was commercially successful was Meet Me Halfway. And this is just mm-hmm. an excellent showcase of Fergie's vocals. In fact, she's not even really singing as Fergie. She's singing as like an 80s vocalist. Like she just assumes a totally different style. And the production's really great. It doesn't sound like Black Eyed Peas, and it especially doesn't sound like anything from those two albums, the end or the beginning. And that's why I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I would have to agree. I also like Hey Mama um, off of Elephant. It's a great one. Um, I was listening to that. Yeah. um, I forgot about it, and I was like, oh, this is, yeah, this is something. Um, One I forgot about. But also good. It was a single off the album, too. So. Well, that will be it for this episode of Over My Head, A Look Back at Pop's Past, presented to you by the one and only Los Lovely Boys. Hopefully you enjoyed our breakdown of this song featuring the Black Eyed Peas, uh, for all those of you who learned that, including myself. If you want to hear our episodes as they drop, please subscribe, download, and listen wherever you listen to podcasts most. If you want to add your input on this song, want to suggest songs for us to look into, or just want to give us general feedback, you can email us at LLC at gmail.com. Also, contact us on social media and go follow us on there as well. And for my co-hosts, Chris and Stefan, hope we weren't too far in over our heads on this one. 
We'll see you next time.